Welcome to the Beers and Ears podcast. Here are your hosts, Casey Woolley and Matthew Brown. It's a magical day here at the Beers and Ears podcast. My name is Casey. And my name is Matt. Welcome to part two of our Sorcerer Network Synergy. One of my absolute favorite things to do is answer the phone. It's a magical day here. This is Sir Woodfield. This is Casey. How, what which can I, or what which can I grant was how we used to do that. Can I tell you a weird secret about sure. Fox Valley? I like um, hey, every, hi, beers and ears people. It's Chris from Discontinued on Display. I'm just like throwing myself here. Um, <laughs> one of my, one of my original team leads, Heather, never she would say that but nine times out of ten she would change it based off of something that was really hot at the time yeah heather would never i don't think i ever heard heather really say have a magical day like she used to say it's an inside out kind of day here at the disney store and i was like i'm stealing that (laughs) and so if i could figure out how to do it i would do it and sometimes it would throw guests off and then they'd go oh i see (laughs) (laughs) i used to I, I used to wish guests um, on the way out have a zippity doo dah day. That's what I always used to say. <laughs> like I, would, I remember, I know I said like the force is strong with us here at the Fox Valley Disney Store. Oh, yeah. um, s- s- random stuff like that. Like that's the only one that's like clicking in my head. Yeah, but yeah, that's my deep dark secret. Welcome into the Beers and Ears podcast, everyone. This is part number two of a two-part Disney Store Spectacular. If you are not already subscribing to Matt's Mistress podcast, Discontinued on Display, then you would not have heard part one, which was all about the Disney Store history. And we had my former store manager and really good friend, Kim Seapack on, who spent 26 years with the Walt Disney Company. And we were talking about the Disney Store and its history and all that great stuff. Well, here we are, part number two, And we're going to dive into what could the future of a Disney store look like in 2022 and beyond. Um, We didn't get into a whole lot of, you know, really what caused the downfall of the Disney store. We talked a little bit towards the end there, Matt, but maybe that's where we pick up a little bit, right? Yeah, yeah, I think we pick up there. You know, it's we could tell i don't know casey if you could kind of see this but like it was clear there were always these rounds of closing and and really some of it was the amount of stores that opened in the 90s were a ton there were a lot of stores and honestly probably too many but casey <laughs> brought that up in there were at the peak 1997 there were 749 Disney stores. But Casey, you had brought this up in, in our first part of this, that 90s malls were huge and everyone was going to the mall. And so it it was behooved people to put these big names into these malls to really get people to go in, spend all day there, eat their food, shop at their stores, and then go home. And as time went on and Amazon became a thing and everything else it just stopped being necessary and outside of just seeing it in the stores closing like i had one of the i I worked at a a store that just never got any tlc like that store was being held up with duct tape um it always smelled really bad in that store like i must have become nose blind it was it smelled like dirty diaper in that store every time i walked in to be fair we had at least two to three guests during my time there take a dump on the floor yeah, I, I, I can believe that. And okay. I can't confirm that they were all children. <laughs> Here's my theory on, on you know, Matt, you and I would talk about this. I mean, we talked about this extensively when we worked together. But 
I firmly believe that the downfall of the Disney store is also what was its success. We talked a lot about in the previous episode, what made the Disney store different, the, the, the magic, the experiences, the events, and all that stuff was, was fun. It was unique. It was engaging, but, but you can't pay the bills with magic. And, and I know we used to tell the cast this at Woodfield all the time that yes, you would, you would hear them oftentimes say the magic's gone, the magic's gone because the, the events did come, they weren't as magical as they used to be. Right. And we used to say, you got to be able to sell stuff like in, in a retail environment and as competitive as a retail environment as Disney was in. And the fact that stuff, Disney stuff was licensed to pretty much everyone, Walmart, Target, JCPenney, even CVS and Walgreens and dollar stores carry Disney stuff to the regular general layperson. Am I, if, if I'm going to give a Mickey mouse plush to my child, who's going to love it, Am I going to spend $10 on a Mickey Mouse plush at Walmart or am I going to spend $22 on a Mickey Mouse plush at the Disney store? And yes, we can get into the argument of, you know, better quality, all that stuff. But to the kid, it's Mickey Mouse, right? Yeah. So my argument is towards the end, that last five or 10 years, while the experiences were unique, they didn't pay the bills and Disney had such... The, the quality, as Kim talked about in the last episode, was so high that the expense was so high, people just stopped being willing to pay it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There, there's definitely some of that where, yeah, when you want an entertaining experience, entertainment doesn't how, – how an, how an entertainment venue pays the bills is you buy tickets. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if you're putting on a show, you buy tickets. Well, the – the store you you didn't you didn't pay to enter into the store. Anyone could come into the store. Exactly. And so yeah, I mean, and we also talked about this that Disney, you know, is an entertainment company that's trying to <laughs> do retail, and they would also do some decisions that you'd be like, yeah, that's not that's not a good one. <laughs> um, and then I mean, again, March twenty twenty pandemic hits and shuts everything down. And I think that just kind of accelerated things. That was the nail in the coffin. It, yeah. It, it would have happened within three or four years regardless. This was just, it accelerated it. It absolutely accelerated. And I would argue here we are two and a half years past the pan, or since the pandemic started. And retail still, at least mall retail, is not back to where it was. No. I don't, there's no way. There's no way the Disney store, and you see it happening with lots of other of these brands as well. So that begs the question there are 22 of them left in the country they're all outlets so let's be very clear the disney store as we know it and as we described in the last pod in the last episode uh, for dod is not the same as the disney store now they're, they're, they're outlets they carry a lot of the overstock of shop disney there are there are no core stores left in the country there are no core stores left in the world I mean, really, like Times Square is your like that's a flagship, yeah. That's like a bit you're different. you're just it, it, that's your Disney store experience right now. Is you go to Times Square and you go to that two story awesome Disney store. Is yep. Times Square still there? Yeah, yeah, Times yeah. Square. Okay. Still, I mean, yeah. the the amount of money that store makes. I mean, I remember seeing the numbers and and like you know company rank, and it was like 
Times Square would have like quadruple the amount of money as store number two. It, it really was. It dwarfed anything. Like you could have the next 10 stores combined. It wasn't making what Times Square yeah. was making. It was insane. So that begs the question. Is the Disney store or some version of a Disney shop concept viable? Is it something that we could, and if it is viable, what would it look like? Now, we we teased it a little bit on the last episode that they did just open up this one on I-5 down in Orlando. It just opened like two weeks ago. Um, It's not called the Disney Store. I want to say it's like the magic of Disney or something like that. Very similar to what they've got in the Orlando airport. It's just a bigger, it's a big store. And it is basically, think of it like a Disney Parks outpost, if you will, of product. So let's start there. One of the things that I always thought was odd was that Disney did not capitalize on the fact that world and land are only in one part of the country and that 99% of the rest of the country lives longer than an hour away. Not there. (laughs) Like it never, it, 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 it always boggled my mind that we consider ourselves a toy store versus an outpost of what the parks were. Well, because near the end, we were starting to do that. Yeah. And we were starting to see parks merchandise. We were starting to see this more high-end, like the spirit jerseys and other stuff like that. And $90 spirit jerseys were flying off the shelves. Yep. Um, so uh, I, if I can, so we, we, we'll kind of like go and turn here. Can can I start? Because I think that Orlando store is kind of like close to my vision for what it is. Okay. Where I I think it's gotta be an outpost of the parks that, um, and that's not to say you can't have toys, but what were the toys that really, really sold? It was classic dolls. It was figurine sets. It was plush. It was, you know, maybe a couple things here and there, but that was pretty much your big main selling thing. So if you just keep it to that, it's going to be successful because people will always want classic dolls. People will always want plush characters. People are always going to want figurines for, you know, bath time and cakes and whatever else. Um, But I think that you make them even more an extension of the parks by making them like a mini park in the store. Now this is not, you don't do like rides or anything like that, but why can't you theme it to, Hey, we're in, um, you know, we're in Chicago and, and the Disney store was licensed in Chicago. So on the magnificent mile, we're in Chicago. This is a Chicago themed Disney outpost. Mm-hmm. We're in, uh, we're in Nebraska. Here is a Nebraska themed, uh, uh, Disney store outpost. I don't know what that would look like, but I'm sure the Disney Imagineers are much more creative than I am. But I mean, so we, in, sorry to interrupt you, but like Michigan Avenue had Chicago themed merchandise. Like exactly. that's technically something they did. Well, I'm not even thinking merchandise. Like I, I, I have a love hate relationship with some of the like city themed merchandise. I'm saying like the store itself is a completely unique uh, design that fits the place that you are in. So like down well, in the, Texas the, would look different. The imagine the IP stores did that. And I didn't know this. If you're part of that 30 years of Disney Facebook group, 
there's that guy, uh, Larry Scut or Shut. I don't know what his name is, but hmm. he's. The, I think he was in Flint. I think you knew. He him. was in Flint. Yeah, I, I mentioned that to him. So I was like, oh my gosh, we probably crossed paths plenty of times. He's been collecting photos of all the IP stores' um, headers, the banners, and I didn't realize this. They were not all the same. They were all themed to the city they were in. Yeah. See, I, I want I want more of that. So I want to. I like where you're going with it, but I do disagree with you on one fundamental part. I don't think you include the classic dolls. I don't think you include the bath toys. I don't even think you include all the plush. Maybe you have some basic plush or specialty plush. My problem and my problem with the way Disney stores went was that it was you were getting stuff there that you could get anywhere through through a walmart or a target or whatever else i think you figure out a way and i'm like looking at some pictures of this one that are down in orlando right now how do you bring stuff that you can only get in the parks to these locations so very specific park stuff like they've got a a home section with mugs and again mugs aren't necessarily something you can only get in the park but maybe they're specific park merchandise mugs or the goofy's candy shop yeah that you that, I mean, never get anywhere other than the parks if you could the, figure the goofy out- like that those snacks that you can get yes. in your resort hotel like yes. shop f me up every time that's where most of my meal plan goes Yes. Yeah, I mean, if, if they could figure out how to do like, because because I'm with you, Casey. Like, I mean, I think the classic dolls and the figurine sets and things like that are there, kind of more supplemental. But it's it's the park stuff that's got to be front and center. And and here's here's one step further that I I haven't fleshed this all out. It's just a skeleton. Is is melding the online versus in store experience? Because there'd be a lot of stuff that that I would see on Shop Disney, and I'd go, that looks really cheaply made. I don't love that. I, I, that doesn't look like good quality. And then I, we'd get it in the store and I'd go, oh, like, great. Like that, yeah. that, that, that actually, um, that actually looks really, really nice. And vice versa. There'd be stuff that I'd see online and go, oh, that looks really cool. And then we'd get it in store and be like, wow, this is poor quality. It is really and, hard to, to be able to tell what something is when you're buying something from shopdisney.com. Like they've got these really cool things right now. They're called fig pins. Yeah, they're about this. I mean, they're about this big. I don't know if you can see that. It's like yeah, yeah, four inches. I've seen they're them in heavy. store. They're really cool. I've seen they're them in really stores. Good. Yeah, yeah. What are they? They're called fig pins. They're these they're like they're a stand up. They're like three D figure. Like it's it's they're it, pins, I, I, it's, but they're not pins. They're, they're I'll just Google. Pins. I'll, I'll just yeah. go to Shop Disney right yeah. now because yeah, I have it. the internet. <laughs> um, so I, I wonder what I wonder is if there's a way that and this couldn't be totally, but if if there would be a way that, you know, you come in and you you check out the product and then there's oh. a bunch of kiosks that, you know, OK, now we order it and send it to you and you get free shipping because you came in and you can get some help with sizing. You, know, you can have that Disney touch while not having to have the tons of product on hand you can have just a size run or just this it's not a perfect because i understand that there's so many flaws with this but i'm wondering if there's a meld of online and in store that can be made here i want to get like i want to get even i want to get crazy for a second so when i worked 
when I got it, when I worked at JCPenney um, back in the day, and we brought a new CEO on back in 2009, I think it was Ron Johnson. He was the guy who came up with the Apple Store concept. And at the time, Apple Store was all the rage. People loved the Apple Store. He came on. He, he, he absolutely tanked at JCPenney. But his idea for what he wanted to see JCPenney become was always intriguing to me. And I think it could work in a revamped Disney store environment. Imagine a Disney store outpost. Let's, let's, let's actually call it a Disney outpost. It's not the Disney store. It's a Disney outpost. And imagine it's, I would say maybe twice the size of what Woodfield was. I would say, okay. I, I think Woodfield was a little small. I would like to see it maybe, be, you know, be, wider like twice the width maybe the same distance back but twice the, twice the width so you could actually like walk around <laughs> yeah so where you're able to kind of you, you'd have basically a racetrack or a path that you would call main street okay call it mm. main street usa i would love to see them if, if you're going to make it a disney outpost and you're going to sell parks related product how cool would it be we always talked about the concept of having neighborhoods Right? How cool would it be to have the Magic Kingdom neighborhood? And within the Magic Kingdom neighborhood, you had Main Street, you had the Haunted Mansion, you had Space Mountain, and and your Trons were themed to the different attractions, right? And and you sold, you, you didn't have a, a, a mug section, but instead you had a Haunted Mansion section with just your Haunted Mansion stuff. It wasn't the cheap marketing that we would do at the Disney store. It was, it's a truly immersive experience. Something that when someone comes in, they get a taste of like they were at the park. So they go to the Haunted Mansion section and it feels haunted. It's like a 3D feel. Like you actually feel like you're in the Haunted Mansion, even if it's just a little bit. And then maybe over here you've got Spaceship Earth or maybe over here you've got the Kilimanjaro Safaris. Whatever it is that they're trying to give you throughout this 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 environment, that to me touches on the experience and touches on selling of the product and being able to effectively sell product that people want. It's not a toy store. It is an experience. That's my, my thought. I love it. (laughs) I want to go there right now. Right. I really like, I really like that idea of the mini main street USA that, that really, that grabbed me. Um, and the idea of, I stayed personally in my brain in Magic Kingdom and having it be like the four major areas like Tomorrowland has a quadrant of the store or, um, you know, Adventureland and all that. Like that to me, that kind of grabbed me. Um, The difficult thing, like I love the idea of selling, like making park stuff more accessible here. But then from a company perspective, how does that affect sale of park merchandise in the parks? I think there's some big box items at the parks, like like the dinnerware that you can get, like that I'm like, who's buying that and sending that home or bringing that home? Like that I think should get put in a store. Like if my Disney store at any point in time had sold those Be Our Guest dinner plates, like that dinner, I would have bought we it. Had we had them at Woodfield that one Christmas. Remember that? Yeah. We had that set and they blew out then the closest store to us was mall of america there was only like the the flagships that had them and we were one yeah. of them we were at a test market for them but to your point and i want to go back to something you said how would it affect sales at the parks 
I don't think it would, Chris. That's what's crazy about this. How many times have you left the park? You've bought something, but you wish you could have bought something else. How many times have you left something on the table because you didn't have the money or you only had room in your budget for yeah. one souvenir or two souvenirs? How awesome would it be to have a Disney Parks outpost in your community that would allow you to go in two or three months or even a month after your trip to buy that thing that you didn't you weren't able to get while you were down there? I mean, I'd be all over that. Like, there are certain things like right now I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, I'd love to go like, like I just got a new desk at work, which has like a like a push pin board around my, like my cubicle and I have all my Disney pins on it and I have, I don't have that many, but I'm like, my coworkers have a lot and I'm like, I want as many as them. Um, <laughs> like I would like go and buy more. Like I want to be, I would love to grab a jungle cruise pin right now and slap that on my desk. Like, and there's more- something special about buying them physically versus just buying them from shop Disney. Like I buy pins but I buy more when I'm in the park because yeah. I get to see them and touch them and explore them. And we're shop Disney. It's just kind of scrolling. Like it's not, you know, <laughs> I, I buy more in person. I mean, honestly, the amount of shopping that I did as a cast member, I spent a lot of money at the Disney store because I, yes, I had the discount, but a lot of it was, I looked at the product and went, that looks cool. Yeah. When I see it online, yes, the pictures are there and I can go, okay, that's cool. But I am way more likely to buy things when I am in person and I see it than online. 100%. I think you both kind of hit it on the head with don't make it a toy store, especially with the fact that they're licensed to so many other markets for that age range. Disney store does not need to be for that age range. And they started right towards the end. They started to market towards my generation. And they were like, here, you want a Hercules journal? I'll make it for you. They were getting smart. Um, it's going to look like a VHS. Yeah. Like at that point, I mean, when the Disney store started in 1987, okay. So let's, let's just think about history for a second, right? The, the, the parents of the kids in 1987, when they grew up, Disney was Hercules. What? I'm sorry. Hercules was like sleeping beauty was, well, it was uh, Walt Disney. It was Walt Disney's era. So, Disney Store couldn't be what Disney Store was in the 1980s. Disney Store needs to evolve, to your point, Chris, to our generation, the millennial generation, the, the Renaissance era. Um, they're, they're, but again, don't make it a toy store. Make it a... I, I, I still love the belief that... I know we talk a lot about IP and intellectual property. They have tons of it. But the parks themselves are their own version of intellectual property that mm-hmm. everything else that is out there, they can market the general stuff in all their other licensees and make the Disney outpost or whatever you want to call it something that is parks exclusive. I do like the Disney outpost that that like, I mean, go open it. That's it. That's what it's called. Hands down. I think it's collector's items and not necessarily like expensive. It's not like when you go into those fancy art stores in Disney and you're like, why is oh. this rabbit statue $5 million? But I mean, like, <laughs> who's like, buying hey, this? who's buying this? Um, you like, all know you want that Erebus uh, castle for $250,000 that they sell at the parks, right? Is okay. I have a logistic thing about that. So I buy that. What do I do? Like, they probably well, send it home to you. They probably don't give it to you. 
at home to you. Yeah, I, I would imagine. I would imagine they're probably going to pay the shipping for you. In fact, if you look it up on Shop Disney, it tells you how much the shipping is. Hold on, I got to look. Oh man, um, Chris, do you I, have a thought on how you would bring it back? Uh, piece by piece. Okay. Uh, I would just deconstruct it and get some hot glue and some duct tape. <laughs> no, no, not, not not the castle thing. The Disney store. Oh, no, that's the thing is I was going to be the negative Nancy and go, she's dead. Let her be dead. You know, they're going to put like you were like, oh, the biggest selling items were the the classic dolls, the plush, the the figurines. That's what they're they, that. You know, when I heard like they're going to put Disney stores in Target, that's what they're doing. It's like these three items are good. We're going to have a Disney shelf at a Target and we're going to just put our products there. Call it a day. But to a point. Can- thousand dollars it's twenty four thousand dollars twenty four thousand twenty four thousand dollars um i don't i think the shipping when i looked i can't find it now because it's not on shop disney anymore but when i think when i looked at it about a year ago the shipping on it was like another fifteen hundred dollars to ship it or something it was insane i mean if you're spending twenty four thousand dollars on a castle you can pay the fifteen hundred in shipping yeah (laughs) i just think like like one of my favorite things to get at the parks are postcards with the really nice art. I have a bunch hanging at my desk. I have some on my mantle and picture frames and they're like park specific. They're not necessarily Disney character specific. If I could get things like that, I feel like that would be a good, again, that collectible feel and giving you, I think if you can put lightning in a bottle, if you can put Disney in a bottle in an outpost and do exactly what Casey said, you could sell something because then it would be, Hey, let's go. Like, that's the entertainment is I'm going to take play, play the street music. I listen to a podcast that is literally just the Disney ambiance music. Yes. It is yes. Soothing. yes. YouTube, baby. YouTube, the main street USA um, loop. It's like an hour long or hour and a half long. It's the best loop ever. It's the best part of my day. I listen to it at work all the friggin' time. A hundred percent with you. I, I, Matt, I mean, do you agree with that? philosophy matt uh yeah i mean i you know i i i just think the my 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 desire to put some of the other stuff in there was just kind of like a how can we throw the toy store a bone but you guys are right like you can go get that just put them in target and you can go get that at target um can i throw a couple other ideas yeah. and just kind of get your feedback out there because mm-hmm. you know, I, I think the parks are the easiest slam dunk that you know for someone like me who's missing the parks and can't afford to go right now or doesn't have the time to go or my life situation because I have small children can't go, I would I mean, absolutely go to. Why don't you sell one of your children? <laughs> Just, you know, it's it's fine. I, go on, on Etsy, this beautifully not, handcrafted child. not committed enough, Matt. You are not committed to Disney fan enough. You're not one. You know, so I would absolutely go to a store and walk around just to, like, feel being a part of the parks. Um, so that to me is a slam dunk. So I, I then, you know, on, and on my drives, my thinking drives for this podcast, I was thinking of what are some non-park Disney things that you could do? Um, so I thought about um, uh, what would it look like to have like an early on Disney store? So like pre- Pre Snow White, so you're talking merch like Walt Disney specific merch, um, like a, vintage, uh, a vintage store, vintage store. You know, black and white cartoons, early Mickey Mouse uh, things. 
um, uh, you know, early Mickey Mouse cartoons, um, you know, again, stay on the collectible things, um, you know, Steamboat Willie type things. Like, would that be something that would draw a different crowd of Disney fan? I don't um, know. I don't know, Matt. That's a. The it's very is, specific. It, it's, it's very specific. I think it works as a collection. Yes. Like, but I don't, and maybe a neighborhood of the store, maybe there's a yes. rotating neighborhood that consistently has something i i maybe this is why the disney store has struggled to find its brand identity is that it's got a lot there's so much you know how many times would we have guests come and say why don't you have any of x character and we'd have to say to them there's only so much you can fit in the store and even there's only so much you can produce like yeah you know like Right I, now, you can go to shopbusiness.com and type in Oswald the Lucky Rabbit. They got nothing. nothing. I think that, like this would be a fun. I don't. I think to your point, this is not an executable execute. You know what I'm trying to say? Idea. But I think like instead of what if instead of I'm really still obsessed with Main Street USA. Sorry, but instead of Main <laughs> Street USA, what if it was a timeline starting with Steamboat Ooh. Willie, and every section of the store was we jump ahead a decade, we jump ahead a decade, we jump ahead a decade. Oh, and you watch and the even incorporate the parks into that. Correct in the decade that they were created, and you could watch the store grow like design wise too. Like we could have like Art Deco in the 30s that changes when you get to the 50s section that changes to like disco once you get to the 70s all, all the way up, to Disney. modern. All us up. <laughs> oh man, Chris, I love that idea where the different decades you're able to show you, you, you've got different types of product. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But I, I just love this as a place. Cause I remember when Mickey turned 90, like we were a destination to go to as a celebration for Mickey's 90th birthday. And these stores would be perfect for things like that, like anniversary mm-hmm. celebrations. Like this movie turns 30, let's have a celebration. And there's a new collection releasing specifically f- that's an anniversary collection. Let's talk logistics for a second. Because, I mean, it's one thing to have the front end of it, you know, which, you know, we can pie in the sky. Logistically, though, where do these stores go and how many of them are they major cities only? Do you do one per state? Do you do I mean, what where do they go and do they go into the malls again? Do they go? Are they freestanding? What what, how do you envision these malls? are dead sorry like there's certain malls that aren't like i get it like there's certain malls out there that are doing really really well malls are not the future um i thought about this as well logistically because i you know to me and i think what we're describing and what i was kind of thinking is i don't think this is necessarily a place that is marketed toward children and so i don't think we you need all the events and all that other stuff so what you're looking for is more of like a Disney archives kind of fi- vibe that, you know, people that know the Disney product and know the Disney history and can talk about it with Disney fan adults. And so I think from a staffing standpoint, you can staff that pretty easily. But where does it go, though? Where like, does it is, go? Is I it think a, is you, it a freestanding and what's like, is it OK? What type of store is it in terms of like? architecture is it going to be freestanding i remember when jc penny went away from the in mall setup to the freestanding setup for a lot of their stores but moreover 
in order to get product to the stores, you've got to develop a logistics chain, right? You know, replenishment, if you will. So where does it go? Is it go into major cities? Does it go into like that? What do you the, think about airports? The, well, space wise, you wouldn't have a lot. I mean, you'd have to it, it, you'd basically get the size of what the magic of Disney is in Orlando International Airport. Yeah, I think that could be something. Right. But I would imagine airport retail space is probably at a premium, too. Yeah. Also, like this feels like a really good place to go genuinely get a gift for somebody. So I don't want to have to buy a ticket to be able to go buy my loved one a present. <laughs> true. True. I would um, say you could probably easily slam this into like some like to me, it's starting to get the feeling of a Hallmark. Like a Hallmark, like they did go into malls, but they had some like in strip mall situations. I think you're going to be putting them in major cities to start. I think we're looking at like New York, Chicago, um, and you don't need a bunch of them because some I would drive into downtown Chicago to go to this experience to pick up the nice things. So, you know, if they like maybe like in a place like Wisconsin Dells, you'd throw one because that's a big family location. The families who are going to spend the day there. on the strip. Yeah, I think you start there. I think you start in like tourist destinations, the Wisconsin Dells, Greenfield Village area in Michigan, right? Like every a lot of states have these 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 tourist destination places that you can go to. I think you start there. Las Vegas, you know, build one on the strip. Oh, put one in Vegas. Not at a mall. Not at a mall, but put one on the strip or, or, or somewhere near the strip, right? Um, I, you know, Hollywood, Hollywood, right? Downtown Hollywood, build one there. I think you start there. I envision these being their own standalone store. I don't even know if I want them in a strip mall. I think they should be their own standalone store. You know where a lot of them could go really well, and I think they could fit in architecturally? Outdoor malls seem to be very popular. Promenade. Yeah. Like the Promenade over in Bolingbrook. Outdoor-type malls. Not like an Aurora Premium Outlets type. I'm talking like those really nice that got the cobblestone paths and like – St. Charles, Geneva, you know, here, this could be something like that where it's its own standalone store, yet it's still surrounded by other things. So it gets the benefit of the foot traffic. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it, it, again, it can't go into something that, like you said, you have to buy a ticket to, or that's a mall that isn't where people are going anymore. Yeah. And, and I don't think you can overblow it because Chris is right. Like, I would travel to one of these stores. I would make a day out of it. Just as, just as like, I mean, how many people go around here, especially like go to the outlet malls up in Wisconsin. I think it's Pleasant Prairie in Pleasant Prairie, Wisconsin. They have an outlet mall up there. I know a ton of people around here. Like, yeah, we're going to the outlet mall for the day and make it like like um, an adventure too. Let's say, okay, let's say there were 25 of them across the country at various points. Right that you're, you're going to make a day of it. All of them sell the same type of merchandise, whether it's the Main Street USA concept or the Timeline merchandise concept. But one display at each location is different that sells merchandise that is unique to that location only. So you want the Chicago exclusive key or plush or what you have to get it from the Chicago location. You want the Wisconsin Dells one, you got to get it from the Wis. So it, it, and it's stuff that they'll care. It's, it's a permanent set. And as you travel or you, you, you know, you can even get a set when you're down in the parks and it, it's, it's, you know, it's a, it's a treasure. You could call it the treasure hunt collection or something like that, you know? Yeah. Um, I mean, 
I'm loving this. I am too. This is I'm I'm absolutely loving this. We we need to get to send this podcast to the Walt Disney Company to CEO our friend who we've never said anything bad about, Bob Chapek. Uh, <laughs> Mr. Chapek. Bob, Bob, we got an idea for you. All right. So we're rounding out the time here. I know we wanted to keep this closer to 40 minutes, um, even though we didn't do a good job on the last one. But yeah, I figured um, we were going to get talking about Disney Store. Chris, any, think, any other thoughts? Yeah, I think that's what I wanted to say was like, I think we can all honestly say, like, let's just kind of give our final thoughts on, like, the Disney Store's place in history and what we really would hope it to be in the next 10 years. Chris, you're our guest, so why don't you start? Um, I think what Disney Store did was it helped integrate a new concept of service into our culture across the country, uh, especially for places that couldn't easily maybe take a trip out to Disney. It brought the magic, the standards, the guest experience there and kind of forced other experiences to start having to try to match. Like my job, my current job will send people to Disney to take Disney trainings or they will sign you up for like I've taken online Disney trainings because it's such a a thing. So I think that's a big thing it did. Um, and I think they did take advantage of a time in America where they were able to easily get the movies into the kids' hands and the toys into the kids' hands, which made them want to go to the... It was a very smart business thing. And it's done its thing. And at this point, it the store as it was isn't needed. The company's fine without it. It's, you know, yeah. they're doing just standy and they don't need that kind of like walking down the mall advertisement like maybe they once did um i think the future of it based off of just i know two people who are theming rooms in their house after the haunted mansion who are in my age group and it is not the first i've ever heard of such a feat so if you just if you just opened a haunted mansion store it would be wildly successful correct. There's, like, there's actually there's downtown geneva there is a store I was walking down there about six months ago and I hear do, 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 do the, the haunted mansion theme song playing outside. It's not a straight up haunted mansion theme store, but it's like a haunted mansion theme store. I, I'm telling you, it's like it, 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 it open all year round. Oh, I have to send my friends there. It's Geneva. Or say, I think it's yeah. Downtown Geneva. So yeah, it's ghouls. I don't know. I have to look it up. Ghouls something downtown Geneva, downtown St. Charles. But I do think like that idea of making a new leaning into entertainment and leaning into entertainment product that hits a little differently and isn't geared at kids, um, that's the way to go. Um, I think what their next step now is, um, it feels it feels a little Monopoly-esque, but okay, now that there's Disney in the on either side of the country, how do we... Now that we've sandwiched America with Disney, how do we sprinkle it through the fixins in the middle and That's get exactly that park experience? That's Absolutely. what this would be. You know, Matt, I think of I think of just to kind of piggyback off that, whenever they do the D23, they do the Disney Store Outpost at the D23. They don't bring 
the plush. They don't bring the classic dolls. They bring a selection of stuff that they know the diehard Disney fan. Maybe that's what it is. Maybe it's not the Disney store anymore. Maybe it's the D23 store. Yeah. You know, like that would sell. Could you make it like a Sam's Club and you have to have a D23 membership and show yes, your card to get I in? I think that'd so. Be, that'd be probably pretty sweet, so. to be honest with you. You know, I mean, yeah. Anyway, it, Matt, what it, were your thoughts? I think that it, at the time, it so helped reinforce my love for Disney and so many people's love for Disney that I think it still has a place in the company. It just can't be, Chris, you're right. It can't be what it was. And so it has to move into a new age. And I'm, I'm loving the idea of more of a high end store. I just think that makes it a destination. And as Disney, a Disney vacation becomes more and more expensive. And we start talking about is the middle class out? Well, Maybe the middle class is more into making a day and maybe you try to revive a Mickey's kitchen and make it uh, like an Ikea does where you can go and shop for furniture and then also eat lunch at the Ikea. And so, you know, can you make this something where you not just go to and spend 20 minutes at, can you make this an experience that people can go to? Could you make it like a Chuck E. Cheese? Yeah. I thought about that. Matt, when I mean, we were talking about showbiz, um, show, showbiz pizza, I was Please like, for if, a later episode of discontinued on display. That, that if, was my suggestion, by the way. It's a good one. Like yeah. you could easily like Chuck E. Cheese would fast go out of business. If instead I could go play arcade games and watch a Mickey Mouse animatronic sing, I'd go to that right now. Oh, yeah. give me Donald Duck on the drums and I'm in. You know, I want you guys have both referenced and we've, we've said it that, the Disney store that was could not work now. And I, I think it's important to think about what the Walt Disney company was when the Disney store opened, when the Disney store opened, you know, we talked a lot about the parks. The only parks that existed in North America were Disneyland, not California adventure, magic kingdom and Epcot. Hollywood studios wasn't open yet. Animal kingdom wasn't yet. Um, uh, Holly, uh, California Adventure wasn't open yet. Tokyo had opened. I don't know if Paris had opened yet. Maybe. I don't think so, no. Uh, and Hong Kong wasn't open. Shanghai wasn't open. Like, if you think about the unprecedented growth of what the Walt Disney Company has had in the last 30-plus years, it is absolutely reasonable to say that the Disney Store was part of that, but it very quickly was overshadowed by all these other things, which naturally made sense for it to kind of just kind of attrition out over time. So now it needs to evolve. It needs to become something more. And, 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 and what that is, I, I love this idea of how do you bring the entertainment in with the merchandise? It's not a toy store concept anymore. You don't need to try to loop kids into it anymore. The kids are there and the kids have grown up and have had their own kids. And those kids in some cases have had grandkids. So, you know, so like, now it needs to evolve into something else. Um, and I think we've painted some really good pictures here of what that could be. Um, Chris, I think you said it best. The Disney source or the Disney company is doing just fine. They don't need this element of it anymore. It can evolve into something more, you know, whether it's pop-up shops around the country 
or, or you know, that's what they're doing right now with Broadway all across the country. I don't know if you've seen the 30 years of Disney, but all the different cities they go to, they're always calling for people who want to work at a shop for a couple of weeks to yeah. sell Broadway merchandise, right? Like maybe it's that, I don't know, but well, Matt, it's closing time. Yeah. Chris, thanks for coming on our huge synergy yeah. episode. Anytime, you know, I'm just, you know what I just realized? I know exactly how the Disney store could come back. Well, I know why the Disney store failed. What's that? They weren't selling any home on the range merchandise. Yes. Oh, I can't oh, believe we didn't God. think of that. That was a it. home on the range store. Oh my God. That just plays the yodeling song all day. Uh, <laughs> and when you walk through the front doors, uh, it triggers a sound cue that goes, yeah, they're real. I was going to say, and then as you a, a, exit, a, a does the bowl cream, a coffee creamer with Roseanne Barr's cow that pours cream? I I would. <laughs> do you understand how much money I would pay to send that to Matt? Oh my god! I'm gonna find, I'm gonna my cousin's husband um, does ceramics, and I'm gonna give him a picture. I'm gonna say, "Make me this. <laughs> Make me this as a milk pitcher." Oh, my, my new ringtone at some point. Anyway, now, <laughs> so yeah, Chris, thanks for all want to get a hold of us. Yeah. I'm curious. So we have all our socials, uh, Beers and Ears podcasts, beer, at Beers Ears 1928 uh, on Twitter and Instagram. Email us at Beers and Ears 1928 at gmail.com. Did we miss something? Do you have an idea that could potentially um, work for, for what the Disney store could be? Do you have a memory of the Disney store that you want to share? Put it up in our socials. Um, you can also find us on www.sorcerernetwork.com, all about the Beers and Ears podcast and Matt's other mistress podcast that he hosts with uh, the wonderful Mr. Chris Corrigan right there. Um, the, the Discontinued on Display, who just has started their new season with the first episode of this two-episode arc that you've been listening to. Um, so, you, um, obviously, Showbiz Pizza is one of the episodes that you got. That's episode four. Uh, next week, or so this upcoming Thursday, is Time Town. It's a, a part with the wonderful Ted Yund, Chris. Ted yes. Yund. And uh, we've got lots of fun stuff. If you have a suggestion, you know, we're doing some pre-recording, so we're ahead. But if you have a suggestion of a themed, like, thing you want us to talk about, please let us know for Discount on Display as well. Um, definitely check that out. But this is Beers and Ears, so definitely check all, the, all our Beers and Ears stuff out as well. And, uh, yeah, let's go ahead and raise our glasses, ladies and gentlemen. This episode has been on us we will see you again real soon. Bye, and everyone. as they like to say in the Disney store, have a magical day. Thank you for listening to a Sorcerer Network podcast.